1: This is Asian Insider and I'm Nirmal Ghosh. Now, back in April, the World Bank warned that global remittances are projected to decline by about 20% this year due to the COVID-19 pandemic and the forced shutdowns that have driven economies to a standstill to varying degrees around the world. This projected fall would be the sharpest decline in recent history largely due to a fall in the wages and employment of migrant workers. Remittances to low- and middle-income countries are projected to fall by 19.7%, and Asia will be disproportionately hit. South Asia will see a 22.1% drop, and East Asia and the Pacific will see a 13% drop. This decline comes after remittances to low- and middle-income countries like Nepal, like the Philippines, reached a record 554 billion U.S. dollars in 2019. Now, remember, this was written in April. There is not much more certainty now in August than there was in April. So to discuss the ramifications of this, we have today Kunda Dixit in Kathmandu. Kunda is the editor of Nepali Times. And we have on the line from Bangkok, Aziz el Beheri, senior economist and senior policy officer at the Food and Agriculture Organization, the FAO, at its asia-pacific office there good morning to both of you thank you for joining us good morning morning so kunda perhaps i can start with you now nepal is one of the most heavily dependent countries on remittances from migrant labor sent out to india to the gulf and other countries is nepal feeling the impact is it tangible is it tangible of many of these migrant workers basically out of work
2: Yes, definitely. And as you mentioned, uh, the Asia average was 20% decline in remittances, but for Nepal, it's 28%, uh, and that's because uh, almost a third of the GDP equivalent of this country is, depends on remittances. So it's 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 really, really the the main source of income for the government for uh, funding its imports. Uh, 16% of our imports are petroleum, for example. So. So, we export the sweat of our workers to import the oil from the same countries.
1: Aziz, in times of recession and in times of disaster, we often see this and we see as well a reverse flow of migrant labor sometimes back to their places of origin. And this is very often in the rural sectors of their countries of origin. The question is what lasting effect will this have? Will this increase poverty? Will this test resilience? And does the rural economy offer any potential at all as a safety net, let alone the future—that's a big question. I know, but if you could sort of walk us through
0: that, yeah, we looked at we looked at that in terms of uh, the movements of migration uh, as a result of COVID lockdown since the March. Basically, um, we distinguished between uh, uh, reverse migration from rural from from urban centers. From services and uh, and industry and tourism back into into rural villages uh, within countries, we saw that happening uh, in India in a large scale. In India, we saw that happening in uh, in Mongolia and uh, uh, in Thailand, where I'm based, and also across countries. So a lot of reverse migration took place. For example, from Thailand into neighboring countries. Uh, it's a big challenge right now for governments as they are trying to re, uh, redesign the recovery programs. Uh, uh, it's difficult given that COVID is still with us and we are still under more or less lockdown. Um, but, uh, but this is an unprecedented kind of development. Uh, in, terms of, in terms of implications for rural economies, uh, it goes both ways. We are still assessing the, the impacts um, basically, we have surplus labor in uh, in rural areas right now that governments still have to figure out how to how to marshal and how to leverage uh, effectively. There are no plans right now, but still, this is where the uh, you know the the programming, the reprogramming of policies and investments are taking place with the help of IFIs, international finance institutions as well as donors, but also within government reprogramming itself. It's a moving target. We are still monitoring the situation. Uh, We have some anecdotal evidence, but we haven't really gotten uh, a final kind of uh, understanding of what should be done at the micro level. Uh, Kunda, um,
1: back to you now with a similar question. You know, there's so much talk about resilience. Is there sufficient resilience? Have, have governments, and specifically in Nepal, which is very vulnerable to uh, climate change, which is a, which is a mul- has a massive multiplier effect, and I'd like you to speak to that a, a bit as well. Has the government there done enough to support the rural economy?
2: It's precisely because the government has not done enough over the last decades that there has been such a out-migration of subsistence farmers uh, abroad and as well as uh, to the cities. So, uh, you know, up to uh, 15% of Nepal's 30 million people are working abroad at any given time. Now, if it wasn't for COVID, we'd all be talking about climate change uh, and, uh, and how climate refugees, the fact that uh, monsoons have been erratic, um, has really affected uh, the rural economy.
1: And uh, the drop in remittances, that, will that also affect things like, you know, earthquake preparedness and everything across the board? Yeah,
2: I mean, Nepal was just recovering from the earthquake in 2015. In fact, yesterday we had another aftershock um, when, when this COVID crisis hit. So it's going to be uh, really, really difficult. Um, it is because of remittances that Nepal's uh, poverty rate has had halved in the last 20 years. And if the remittances are going to fall by 28%, as the uh, World Bank is predicting, um, or the ADB actually is predicting, uh, then then it's going to be a really serious hit on the economy. And all these people who have come back uh, are going to be without jobs here. They'll be wanting to go back uh, to uh, the Gulf or Malaysia or wherever to work. And yet those jobs will not be available now.
1: So Aziz, now... Asia's agriculture sector more broadly has for a long time been somewhat hollowed out with the average age of farmers has been growing older for example young people want to work in cities in different industries and so forth uh, so you find a lot of uh, farms you know I've been to in in Southeast Asia only grandparents and grandchildren the middle generation is sort of missing and this is and this has kind of happened already in the West some years ago now uh, how important is the, rural, uh, the farm economy to the question of resilience in times of crisis like this?
0: Very critical. The resilience uh, of rural economy and farming in general, especially in the context of climate change, but also the fact that this region is extremely prone to all types and frequent uh, catastrophic disasters. Uh, one, of the thing, one of the characteristics of Asia's farming community is that small-scale farming has persisted um, uh, over time, despite the economic development that uh, the region has witnessed. And one would expect in a normal development process that, uh, that that farms will tend to be larger and larger. More farmers will migrate out of farming into, uh, into other sectors of the economy. But it hasn't happened. What we see uh, is a a persistence of a large number of small-scale farms. A lot of them are doing multiple um, income or livelihood uh, activities. So farming is, is, is partial farming in many cases. Now, with the COVID and the insistence on rebuilding resilience of food systems, because this is one of the Consequences of COVID is that it disrupted the food systems, um, so we're back to the starting point in trying to re re-energize uh, the base or the upstream side of the food system at the production level, and one of the main uh, you know one of the uh, main trust of these. Uh, uh, redevelopment thinking is, of course, through innovation technologies, but also a more sustainable use of resources, whether irrigation water or other types of uh, of, of resources, and then um, and then develop the uh, the rural um, the rural agro at the small scale, which is which is very very much needed. Uh, so all of these are now being at the forefront of the policy uh, um, agenda in many countries, in spite of the financial and the fiscal constraints and the squeeze that many of these countries are facing, in part due to the economic downturn, but also due to the loss of these uh, 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 traditional resources like uh, 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 migrant uh, remittances. But uh, re- rebuilding resilience, even at a small scale for farmers in rural areas, is now on the top of the agenda. It will be difficult, but it is the priority in, for most countries, including Nepal, but also throughout the region. But uh, the, the, the bottom line, Aziz, is,
1: of course, that poverty is going to deepen, right?
0: Clearly. Clearly, there are already indications that the progress that has been made on many of the SDGs in reducing poverty or reducing malnutrition or reducing food insecurities unfortunately are either stagnating or will get worse before they start uh, uh, getting better. Um, we, are, you know, we are facing a, a very tough decade ahead uh, along the 2030 agenda. And now many of these indicators that weren't actually progressing as they should before, and now even going back, uh, requiring uh, you know uh, doubling up the the, the effort, but requiring a new uh, a new policies, but also new thinking, new governance, and then uh, redirecting the resources and how they have been uh, you know uh, prioritizing in, in the past. So there's a lot of work uh, to be done at the policy level at the uh, across the board, across the the, the, the region, and uh, specifically within the rural economy, which is now seeing an influx of surplus labor and also a difficulties of, of managing uh, the development uh, from a financial and fiscal uh, side.
2: I think, um, <clears throat> if I may just add, um, Aziz mentioned SDGs. Um, just one statistic. In the last three months uh, in Nepal, Government uh, figures show that um, uh, the number of children who uh, died, uh, either in hospital or at home, is up 30% from um, from the same period last year. So, And this is because uh, the children couldn't get to hospital because of the lockdowns, no transportation. Also, they were fearful that they'd be infected. So we might have been pushed back a decade in terms of uh, child, maternal, um
1: survival and other um social aspects that's uh, that's very de- uh, depressing now it, now given this uh, deepening poverty kunda um nepal has seen quite a lot of turmoil in the last you know 15 years or so um is there a heightened risk of social and political tension and unrest going forward will this manifest in you know in 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 ways that uh will will shake the country shake the system
2: yeah we've had uh, periodic uh, eruptions of uh, you know uh, street street protests that have brought down governments that has actually we went from monarchy to republic uh, in 2008 because of this uh, we went through a 10-year uh, insurgency uh, also driven by uh, you know inequality and poverty um, but uh, this crisis is is completely unprecedented and I think people are just so busy trying to survive uh, that and there's no real organized opposition. Uh, there's been a few protests by, led by youth uh, in Kathmandu, but it hasn't really gathered that, that, uh, that critical mass in order to be a threat to the government so far. Uh, but let me just also add that, um, you know, like not everyone has come back. Okay, we have, let's say, between 2.5 to 3 million Nepalese working in India. Uh, of them, only 200,000 have come back. Um, of the other 2 million in the Gulf and Malaysia, only 32,000 have come back in the past uh, month or so. And uh, another 150,000 have registered to come back. So there's, there's still a large population of Nepalese um, out there in those countries. And, and maybe the host countries also depend on this labor because this is the kind of jobs that their own nationals would not do. So there might actually not be that much of a decline in uh, in, in migration,
1: but there's a decline in remittances. Uh,
2: yeah, this those,
1: but, uh, but this was, a lot was of those even before. laborers are the uh, workers are just sitting sitting around basically in 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 uh, static economies, right?
2: the the decline in remittances and the number of people going abroad at least for nepal was going down anyway for the past three years uh, covid has just made it slightly worse um and um and i think a lot of people here are expecting things to pick up um you know later in the year uh with people going out just like after the earthquake you know we expected a lot of people to come back and to rebuild homes but the fact that the earthquake actually forced pe- more people to go out because they needed to earn money to rebuild their homes so in a similar way, I think desperation will mean that there'll be there'll be a lot of labour who will
1: want to go out again. And you, another thing, yeah. another thing one yeah. hears a lot about is the sort of slogan "build back better," and we hear <laughs> we hear this after every disaster, every recession. And, and to me, it's, I mean, I'm a little cynical about this because after every disaster and recession, we just basically put the same old house of cards back together again. Yeah. Yeah. Is I there mean, any sign the- of anything, any sort of? forward thinking uh, any enlightened moments not from the government
2: in nepal at least um, but you know there is one uh, there is anecdotal evidence that uh, the returnees who came back especially from india and elsewhere they came back and this was this coincided with the paddy planting season so there is now actually a lot of labor out there in the villages uh, and land and terraces that had gone fallow because of out migration There's now more rice cultivation, and also the monsoon has been very healthy. So there is a bright
1: spot there. Aziz, if I may come to you. Uh, uh, Similarly, again, I mean, with deepening poverty, do you foresee any possibility of um, social and political tension going forward uh, across the board? I mean, you cover so many countries. Of course, you know, the circumstances are very different in many countries but do you see that as a risk going forward?
0: There is a risk yes in fact there is a risk in almost every country uh, depending on how they handle uh, the the COVID crisis and how long it will it, it, it will last I think the current uh, situation um, uh, I mean there are you know there are demonstrations already in you know in various um, uh, 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 cities uh, in terms of uh, reactions to how how governments are responding. But so far we haven't seen we haven't seen the kind of uh, um, uh, uh, responses or uh, demonstrations or riots that we have seen under the crisis 2007-2008, the food crisis that led to a huge price uh, increases and uh, a lot of uh, uh, political instability across many many developing countries. We haven't seen that because of the uh, uniqueness of this uh, of this pandemic. Uh, if I may, one just uh, add one more um, uh, bright spot to the story of Nepal on the returnees of uh, uh, labour. those who have returned also they are bringing new ideas and new technologies and new um uh, fresh perspectives of how to uh how to develop the rural economy so we see for example in nepal um, a lot of new types of businesses uh coming up uh, at the the micro level that sort of create the diversification of agriculture which many rural areas in Nepal so badly need, especially after the 2015 earthquake. So there is a little bit of of a, of a, a, a building back better in the sense of capitalizing from these uh, not only assets they are bringing but also ideas that could be, if properly, you know, if properly um, uh, leveraged by governments and programs, uh, could uh, could revitalize at least various sections of the rural uh, economy, at least in the case of uh, Nepal. In uh, in Southeast Asia, where I'm based, uh, the situation is uh, critical uh, in a sense that, uh, as was mentioned, most migrants did not return back to their countries because of restrictions and also because of uh, incentives given by the host countries to keep them uh, uh, in place because they are needed for for uh, various, uh, you know, activities, including uh, within the rural and under uh, the farming uh, sector. So one of the one of the clear um, uh, lessons that are being drawn by governments is to strengthen the social uh, protection, and social safety pro- programs, and expand it to the labor, to the migrants, to the rural communities in order to link the production with these social safety nets, which is going to become one of the major levers of uh, building back better uh, concept that is now being promoted by by the UN and by development partners. Over. Kunda, over
1: to you and Kathmandu. A last quick word? (laughs) Well, I
2: think um, you know, uh, as Aziz was saying, um, there's a lot of good ideas uh, that returnees are bringing back, we have covered it in our paper, anecdotal evidence of someone who's came back from Qatar and started a dairy farm because he worked in a dairy farm there. Uh, others who come back from Saudi Arabia and started an ostrich farm, um, unheard of in Nepal. Um, so uh, what the government needs to do is that the government does have a rehabilitation program for returnees but it's just not getting traction and this needs to be really spread out and really use this, um, uh, the returnee population and the knowledge and the, and the enthusiasm which, we, which, which they have come back to Nepal and put it to productive use and that's what's going to build resilience and hopefully build back better
1: in fact i think uh, yeah i mean my personal opinion is like nepal is a bit of a litmus test for all this so um, mm. let's see what happens well kunda aziz thank you very much again for sparing your time for us today and all the best out there thank you thank you pleasure thanks in 2021 the world bank estimates that remittances to low and middle income countries will recover by about 5.6 percent to 470 billion dollars but the outlook remains uncertain. What is certain is the COVID-19 pandemic has a very, very long tail. For Asian Insider, I'm Nirmal Khosh.
0: That was an SBH podcast by the Straits Times. Find us on Spotify, Apple or Google podcasts, or streaming on Google Home. Do feedback to us at podcast at